Amen. All right, well, we're there in uh, Matthew chapter number 25. And do um, you mind to just turn me up a little bit, Brother Terry? I feel like I'm a little low. Matthew chapter 25. And we've been going through a series on the stewardship of life. It might be a little too much. Thank you, sir. The stewardship of life. And you know what, Brother Oliver, can you, I think I left my phone in my office. Could you get that for me? And uh, it's how I track my time. And if I don't have it, then I'll preach for like three hours. All right. So it's in your best benefit uh, that I have it. We're we're talking about the stewardship of life. And we've been actually in this series since the beginning of the year. Uh, We've gone through nine sermons. This is now the 10th sermon in the series. And I don't normally preach that long of a series, but I, I hope you've uh, realize that every sermon has been completely different. It's not like we're going over the same material over and over. We started the series by talking about stewardship, and then we, we hit uh, the parable of the unjust steward, and then we got into some real practical uh, things, stewardship of time, stewardship of health, stewardship of relationships, stewardship of finances, testimony. We talked about our thought life. Last week, we got back into some stewardship parables. We talked about the parable of the rich fool, and then this morning, we are dealing with probably the most, thank you, sir, appreciate it, probably the most uh, famous of the stewardship parables, and that is the parable of the talents, the parable of the talents. And what I'm going to do this morning is I usually go through a, uh, sorry, I need to set this up. I usually go through an outline and uh, give you uh, thoughts that are easy to remember, but this, this parable has so much in it. What I'm going to do, and I don't normally do this, is I'm going to give you 10 statements about this parable, and they're not easy to remember, so I want, I want to encourage you to just write them down, all right? I'm going to try to help you with that, but on the back of your course of the week, you do have a place to write some notes, and if you would write these statements down, there's a lot to learn in this parable, and I want you to learn it, and we'll learn it together, but I'm going to give you these 10 statements, and I'd like you to write them down if you can, and we'll learn about this parable together. The first statement is this, and, and we're going to jump into, into the parable, but let me give you this statement number one. The first statement is, is this, the talents, the talents in this parable, because it's called the parable of the talents, and you'll see why it's called that here in a minute as we go through and read it. But the talents in this story are not abilities. The talents in this story are not abilities. They are resources God entrusts in you based on your ability. The talents in the story are not abilities. They are resources that God has entrusted you with based on your abilities. Now, that might not seem like that big of a deal, and maybe it's not, but I want you to just understand what the parable is and what it is about. If you look at Matthew 25, look at verse 14. This is where Jesus begins the parable. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. I want you to notice that word at the end of verse 14 there, uh, goods. It was his goods. Verse 15. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, every man according to his, notice these words, several ability. Everyone according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. If you look down at verse number 18, I want you to notice, the, and we're going, to get, we're going to work our way down to verse 18, but for now just look at verse 18. It says, but he that had received one, talking about one talent, went and digged it in the earth and hid his Lord's, I want you to notice this word, money, his Lord's money. So I want you to notice that in verse uh, in verse number uh, 14 there, it says that it was his Lord's goods. In verse 15, it says that it was talents. And in verse 18, it says that it was money. And here's what I need you to understand. Because many people think about this parable, and I'm not saying that people who say this are completely wrong. I've even said this in the past. But many people believe that the word talent in this parable represents uh, our ability. In fact, the modern use of the word talent 
is probably influenced by this parable. Because if you look up the word talent in the dictionary, here's the definition you will find. Natural aptitude or skill. And when we use the word talent, we usually are referring to something that someone, an aptitude or a skill that someone has naturally. We're talking about they're a talented person. You know, they are a talented musician. They are a talented singer. They are a talented speaker. They are a talent, you know, whatever it is. We're talking about something that's natural. And I'm not saying that that's wrong to see it that way. But I want you to understand, if we're going to learn this parable properly, you need to understand that the talents were not the ability. The talents in the story are goods, they are literally money, he's giving them money, but what the talents represent are the resources that God has given us, and they are given based on our several ability. That's what it said there in verse number 15. Look at verse 15 again. Matthew 24 and verse 15, uh, I'm sorry, not Matthew 24, Matthew 25 and verse number uh, 15, it says, and unto the one he gave five talents, and to another two and to another one, to every man according to his several abilities. I want you to notice, the talents can't represent abilities if they were given the talents based on their abilities, all right? So the talents, the modern definition of the word talent was probably influenced by the view of this parable that the talents represent our abilities. And though it can be applied that way, I'm not saying if you've ever heard a sermon that applied it that way, that that was wrong or they were wrong. In fact, I'm sure I've applied it that way in the past. It can be applied that way, but I just want you to notice that the parable clearly states that the talents were based on the ability. <clears throat> and the talents represent not ability, but they represent resources, such as money, but also things like time, influence, opportunity. And here's what I want you to understand. The talents, here's point number one, if you didn't write it down, the talents in this story are not abilities, they are resources God entrusted in you based on your ability. See, you've got an aptitude, you've got some talents, you've got some abilities, and because of your several abilities, God has entrusted you with some resources, and he gave some five, and he gave some uh, uh, two, and one, and, and, and he gives those, but he is giving those based on your ability. Number two. So number one, the talents in the story are not abilities, but they are resources God entrusted in you based on your abilities. Number two, everyone receives talents. Everyone receives talents. Now, what do we mean by talents? Again, we're talking about resources, money, time, influence, opportunity. Everyone receives talents from God. Notice verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them. Notice, he called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And by the way, the man traveling into a far country is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ because the Lord Jesus Christ is in a far country today. He's in heaven and we are awaiting his return. He's going to come back one day. But until then, he has delivered unto every one of them, unto every one of his servants, his goods. So here's what you need to understand. The talents in the story are not abilities. They are resources entrusted in us based on our abilities. But number two, everyone, everyone receives talents from God. You have been given money. You have been given time. You have been given influence. You have been given opportunity. You have some talents that God gave you that came 
from God, not necessarily your abilities, although those came from God too, but we're talking about the resources in your life that God has made available to you. Now keep your place there in Matthew 25. That's our text for this morning. Go with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, Ecclesiastes chapter 9. If you open your Bible just right in the center, you will more than likely fall in the book of Psalms, and right after Psalms, you got the book of Proverbs, and right after Proverbs, you got the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, and look at verse number 11. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, and look at verse number 11. Because today people will act like, oh, well, I don't have any talents. Like, and again, we're not talking about the ability, just resources. I don't have money. I don't have influence. I don't have time. I don't have opportunities. I don't have, you know, a, a talent to be able to offer up to God. But here's what you need to understand, and here's what the story is teaching. Everyone receives talents from God. Everyone has money, time, influence, opportunity, something you can leverage for the furtherance of the kingdom of God or the gospel of God. Everyone receives talents from God. Are you there in Ecclesiastes 9? Look at verse 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 11 says this, I returned and saw under the sun. This is uh, Solomon, who uh, aside from the Lord Jesus Christ was one of the wisest, was the wisest man who ever lived. And he's at the end of his life and he's realizing that he's wasted a lot of his life. And by the way, you, uh, you know, you can be a real smart person and waste your life. And here he, he's gotten to that place. And I want you to notice what he says, though. Obviously, the Holy Spirit's using him to write this book. He says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise nor yet riches to men of understanding. Now, what is he saying? He's saying all of these things. The race is not necessarily given to the person that has all of the ability to be swift. The battle is not necessarily given to those that have the ability to be strong. Praise the Lord for that. That's what the, that's what the whole Bible is about. The whole Bible is about underdogs through the power of God, you know, beating the Goliaths in their lives. And here he says, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches unto men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. Notice what he says, but time and chance happeneth to them all. You say, what is he saying there? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, no matter what your ability, no matter what your several ability is, everyone gets some resource. Time and chance happeneth to them all. So here's what I know about you. And here's what I know about me. No matter how talented Using the modern definition, we are. No matter how good our abilities are, you, don't, you say, well, I, I don't have, I'm not as smart. Sometimes I look at people and I think, well, I'm not as smart as those people. I'm not as talented as those people. I don't have the abilities that those people have been given. But here's what I know, and here's what I know about myself, and here's what I know about you. No matter how many abilities you've been given, you have, been, you have received talents from God. You have received opportunities, resources, time, and chance happeneth to them all. So we saw, number one, the talents in the story are not abilities. They are resources God entrusts in you based on your ability. Number two, everyone receives talents from God. Everyone receives money, time, influence, opportunity from God. Number three, go, go back to Matthew 25. <clears throat> Matthew 25. Here's point number three. And we're going through these pretty quickly because there's ten of them, all right? Number three, your talents are not yours. Your talents, and remember, we're not talking about talents like ability. That's the modern, that's the way we use the word in modern times in the parable. These are resources. Your resources, your money, your time, your influence, 
your opportunity. Your talents are not yours to do with as you please. They are God's resources entrusted to you to steward on his behalf. I know that's long, but I want you to get that. Let me say it again. Your talents are not yours. Your resources are not yours. Your money and your time and your energy and your opportunity do not belong to you to do with as you please. They are God's resources entrusted in you to steward on his behalf. This is why this is probably the most quintessential parable on stewardship because this parable actually teaches us about stewardship. Notice in Matthew 25, look at verse 14. Notice what the Bible says. Matthew 25 and verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man, that's Jesus, traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them. Notice this word. In fact, if you don't mind writing in your Bible, you ought to underline this word or circle this word, who delivered unto them his goods. You see that? Whose goods? They were the Lord's goods. They were the master's goods. They were the, re- they were the resources of <clears throat> the master. Look down at verse 18 again. We saw it, but let's look at it again. <clears throat> but he that had received one went and digged into the earth and hid, notice, hid his Lord's money. Whose money was it? It was the Lord's money. It was not the servant's money. The servant was given the money. The servant was given the resources. The servant was given the resources to steward on the behalf of the Lord. And what this parable teaches us is that your talents, your talents, and again, we're talking about the, the biblical definition from this parable is the talents are resources. It's literally money. It's time. It's energy. It's influence. It's opportunity. It's chances that God has given you. It's opportunities that the Lord has given you. And here's what you need to understand. Your resources are not yours to do with as you please. They belong to God and they've been entrusted in you for you to steward on His behalf. Nothing you have belongs to you. Every good gift cometh from the Father of lights. It is God who gives us the power to get wealth. It is God. The Bible, we're going to learn tonight out of Acts chapter 3 how it is God. Our, our lives consist in God. It is God that gives us life. If you woke up this morning, it's because God allowed you to. If you put on clothes this morning, it's because God provided those for you. If you have a job to go to tomorrow, it's because God gave you that job. And you need to understand that we are not masters. We are not owners. We are not rulers. But we are stewards who have been entrusted with resources to steward on the behalf of God. See, that's why at Verity Baptist Church, we are using every opportunity. We are using every resource. You say, why are we raising money today? To use those resources and turn them around to further the kingdom of God, to further the things of God, to, 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 to send missionaries out, to start churches, to make great documentaries that are going to you know, influence people and teach people and reach people. We do that. Why? Because they are not our resources. And you, you, know, you, can ask, you can ask yourself and you can say, well, Pastor Jimenez, you know, some of the stands that you've taken over the, uh, over the past and some of the battles that you've fought, you know, they've cost you a little bit. You know, what if you end up getting sued and what if you lose everything? It's not mine anyway. Or what if you lose everything you own? God gave it to me. It's his resources. We are just stewarding them on behalf of God. We are managing them on behalf of God. See, this parable teaches us that our talents and your talents and my talents are not ours to do with as we please. They are God's resources entrusted to us to steward, to manage on His 
behalf. Look at verse 15. Matthew 25, verse 15. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Here's point number four. Not everyone is entrusted with the same amount of talents. Not everyone is entrusted with the same amount of talents. And again, we're talking about resources. Time, money, energy, opportunity, influence. Not everyone is entrusted with the same amount of talents. In this parable, we learn that some got five talents, and some got two talents, and, and some got one talent. Not everyone was given everything in the same way. Number five, you are not expected, you are not expected to produce the same amount with your talents as others produce with theirs. You are not expected to produce the same amount with your talents as others do, as others produce with their talents. Look at verse 16. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same. So notice, he receives five talents, and he went and traded, he went and invested because it wasn't his money, it was the Lord's money. It was given to him to steward on the behalf of the Lord, received five talents, and went and traded with the same, and made them, notice, and made them other five talents. So he got five talents, and he earned another five talents. That's a good investment. He doubled his profit. He got five, he went and traded, and he got five more. Look at verse 17. And likewise, and likewise, it's, it's feeling a little warm in here. Are you guys warm? Maybe we can have the guys turn on the air if, if you don't mind. And likewise... He that had received two, he gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. We're going to come back to verse 18. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with him. Verse 20. And so he that had received five talents, notice, he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, I want you to notice what the Lord said unto him. Verse 21. We often quote this as something that we all want to hear one day when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now look, I think all of us want to get to the judgment seat of Christ one day, and when we've been judged for what we've done with the resources that God has given us, we all want to hear the Lord Jesus Christ say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You say, how do you get him to say that? You get him to say that by properly investing the resources, the money, but not just money, everything that God has given you, every resource that God has given you, the money, the time, the, 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 the abilities, yes, that's included, the opportunities, the chances. Here this man comes and he says, I gave you, the, uh, I, I earned back uh, another five talents and I gained beside them five talents more. And his Lord said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Verse 21, thou has been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And that, and of course, there's, there's some prophecy, uh, end times prophecy stuff in here and it's talking about the millennial reign and how we'll rule and reign with Christ and I'm not dealing with that this morning but look at verse 22 he also that had received two talents came and said Lord thou deliverest unto me two talents behold I have gained two other talents besides so notice 
In verse, 20, uh, in verse 20, we have a man that has five talents. He was given five talents, and he went and traded and gained five more. And the, the response was, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In verse 22, we have a man that had initially been given two talents. He goes and trades and makes two more, and he presents that to the Lord. And I want you to notice the response in verse 23. His Lord said unto him, well done, but not as good as the first guy. Is that what he said? No, he says this, well done, a good and faithful servant. I want you to notice that he got the exact same response. He got the exact same response. And you say, yeah, but guy number two didn't do as much as, as guy number one. But guy number two didn't start with as much as guy number one. And here's what I want you to understand. You are not expected to produce the same amount with your talents as others produce with theirs. Because we all receive different talents. And look, there is a problem in the Christian life when we fall into the comparison trap. You don't have to turn there, but in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, the Bible says this, For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. And sometimes we as Christians, we might compare ourselves to other Christians and we might say, well, I'm not, I can't do what so-and-so does and I can't accomplish what that person's accomplishing and, and if I can't do what they're doing, then I'm just not going to do anything at all. But that's the wrong way to look at it. And in every area of life is like this. Look, even as pastors, we could, when we get into the flesh, to have the tendency to start comparing. You know what I'm saying? Well, so-and-so is doing this, and I'm not doing as much. Or maybe so-and-so is doing this, and they're not doing as much. And, and, and look, don't fall into that comparison trap, because all of us have different opportunities. All of us have different resources. All of us have different uh, abilities and different things that God has given us. And we will be judged, not because we did the same as someone else. We will simply be judged for what we did with what? The opportunities that God gave us. Look, here, here's the truth of the matter, and I believe the Lord has blessed Verity Baptist Church and God has grown our church, but you know, we, we live in California. We may have to fight these filthy sodomites for the rest of our lives. And look, is that going to affect our growth? Absolutely. Some of you might not come back tonight. <laughs> Some of you might not come back next week. You know, and you say, what do you do with that, Pastor? I just, I just tell myself, you know what? I, I, maybe I'm the two-talent guy. Maybe I'm the one-talent guy. But I can't sit there and say, well, I've got to accomplish it. We've got to grow as much as anyone else. You know what? We just got to do what God has called us to do with the resources he's given us. Amen. With the opportunity he's given us. With the abilities, the talents, the time, the treasure, the influence, the, the chances he's given us. We'll do what we can. And look, we're not in a race against each other. You are in a race against yourself. When the Bible talks about run the race that is set before you, you say, who are you trying to beat? I'm trying to beat me. My spiritual man is running against my flesh. I'm not trying to beat you. You say, well, I can't accomplish what someone... I, you know, I'm not doing what pastor's doing. God didn't call you to do what pastor's doing. Say, so, yeah, but you know, pastor's doing... Pastor grew up in an independent, fundamental Baptist home. Unto whom much is given, much shall be required. Maybe, maybe in that area, I got a little more talent than you did. God doesn't expect you to do it, and, you, and, and, we, and we want to look down at people. And here's the real danger. The real danger is not the person that's looking at someone else and saying, well, I can't accomplish what they're doing. The real danger is the fleshly Christian that is constantly trying to make others feel inadequate. Well, look what I'm doing. Look what I'm accomplishing. Look how much I do, and you're not doing as much. Look, don't take that from people. 
Don't let people treat you and make you feel like you're inadequate or make you feel like you're not accomplishing. Now, look, you know, you know in your heart whether you're actually doing everything you can do with the resources God has given you. And some of you maybe are not. And if you feel guilty about it and the Holy Spirit's convicting you about it, then you need to get right with God. But if you know you're doing what you can, you're doing as much as you can, you are accomplishing what the talents that God has given you, don't sit there and compare it to others. Because you are not expected to produce the same amount with your talents as others produce with theirs. And I may show up one day and with my two talents and say, here you go, Lord, I got two more talents or one, my one talent and say, here you go, Lord, I, I, I produce one more talent. And, and, and maybe the Lord will say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant, in the same way that he says it to the guy over here that has five talents. Because we're not expected to produce the same. We're not expected to do the same. We should not be comparing ourselves among ourselves. With that said, though, point number five, you are not expected to produce the same amount with your talents as others produce with theirs. With that said, number six, you are, however, expected to produce some results based on the amount of talents you received. Please don't miss that. Say, oh, well, I'm not expected to produce as much as what somebody else has. Hey, praise the Lord. But don't let that be the excuse that causes you to do nothing because though you are not expected to produce as much as someone else does with their talents, you are expected to produce something. You are expected to produce some results based on the amount of talents that you have received. You are expected to produce some results based on the amount of talents that you have Receive. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, look at verse 18. See, see, the guy with two talents, he multiplied the two talents, and he got the same response. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. The guy with two talents was not expected to produce ten talents. He, he produced four talents, and God said, that's good. That's all I expected you to do was to do what you could with the resources that I gave you. In verse 18, we find the third servant. Notice what it says. But he that had received one, he that had received one, went and digged in the earth. And history tells us that this was a common thing that people did in those days to try to secure their money. He went and digged in the earth and hid. Here's the problem. You say, well, what's wrong with hiding your money? The problem with hiding your money, there's nothing wrong with hiding your money. The problem is when you hide somebody else's money that you've been entrusted, you were hired, he was hired. He said, I'm going to hire you as a servant, I'm going to give you my money, and I'm going to expect you to invest it and make me a profit. And this man, he said, that he decided to go and to dig in the earth, and he hid, not his own money, his Lord's money. Over 19. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh, and you see this word reckoneth with them? You ever heard somebody talk about the day of reckoning? This is talking about a day of judgment. The word reckon literally means to calculate. It's a, it's a, it's a mathematical term. But it, it says that the Lord is coming. Here's what he's saying. The Lord is coming, verse 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. After a long time, the Lord of those servants is coming. And he's going to calculate and say, well, I gave you five talents. And here's what I expected you to produce. And I gave you two talents. And here's what I expected you to produce. And I gave you one talent. And here's what I expected you to produce. And maybe you've received four talents or three talents or 15 talents or whatever it is but there is coming a day of reckoning when God is going to judge you to see what you accomplish what the talents you get see see 
You're not expected to produce what others produce, but you are expected to produce something with the talent that God has given you. Skip down to verse 24. Notice how it turned out for this guy. Matthew 25, 24. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, and reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth, and lo, there thou hast, that is thine. I want you to notice that the guy who accomplished the least talked the most. The other guys just said, hey, here's the talent, here you go. This guy, he's got a whole story. You know, I knew thee that thou weren't a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strived. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. Notice verse 26. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not, and gather where I have not strived. Look at verse 27. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own, because it was his money, mine own with usury. What does the word usury mean? It means interest. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, you went in your backyard and dug a hole and hid the money. He said, you could have at least put it in the bank and let it earn some interest. You say, why? Because you are expected to produce some results. You are expected to produce some results based on the amount of talents that you have. And look, this ought to, I'm not trying to scare you, but this ought to scare us. You're there in Matthew 25. Go, go to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. It ought to scare you. It ought to sober you up to realize that there is a day of reckoning coming, that there is a day when you will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and you will have to give an account, reckoning, for the things that were done in your body, with your resources, with the talents, the time, the energy, the opportunities, the choices, the influence, the money that God gave you. Romans chapter 14, look at verse 10. Romans 14 and verse 10, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at not thy brother? Notice what he says. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You're there in Romans. Go past 1 Corinthians and to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And I don't have time to develop this, but the terms good or bad there are not referring to sinful or righteous. It's referring to whether it has value or no value. Go, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians, just one book back. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse number 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12 says, Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is, or what kind it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. I want you to understand, the judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment to see whether or not you make it into heaven. Once you're saved, you've got your ticket into heaven. You've been born again. You can never lose that. The ju- and by the way, the judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment to judge your sins. 
Because once you're saved, your sins have been forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, they, they'll, they'll never catch up with you. You're not going to stand there at the judgment seat of Christ and have Jesus go over all your sins and say, well, what were you thinking here and why did you do that? That will never happen to the believer. He has forgotten our sins. He has uh, blotted them out. He, he, he will not bring them up to you anymore. And that should be very assuring to us. And that should cause us to feel great joy that I'll never have to stand before God and have to give an account for my sins. But let me tell you something before you get too excited. Realize this. Realize this. That at the judgment seat of Christ, you will, you will, and I will stand before God. And God will say, well, here's all the time I gave you. What you do with it? Here's all the money I gave you. What you do with it? Here's all the uh, opportunities I gave you, and here are all the chances I gave you, and here are all the, uh, the, the, the resources that I put in your, in your care, and here is the influence that you had, and here is all the talents that I gave you, and I will not judge you for your sin, but I will judge you for what you did with the resources that I entrusted in you. And I don't know about you, but that ought to that scare us a little bit. That ought to motivate us a little bit. Because the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, most of us are not doing as well as we could do with the resources that God has given us. And you know that's true. And I know that's true. And God says, you know what, I invested a lot into you and I expect a return on my investment. I will judge you. Look, you will not be expected to accomplish the same that others uh, accomplish, but you are, number six, you are expected to produce some results based on the amount of talents that you have. Number seven. Number seven. Go back to Matthew 25. Number seven. Here's this. You know, here's the, here's the bottom line. There are some of you, even in this room, who are, di- who, are, who are taking your talent and digging it in the ground, doing absolutely nothing with it. You're going to give it back to your Lord and say, well, here is that is thine. And he's going to say, man, you could at least put it in the bank. You could at least earn some interest on that thing. Here's point number seven. People who produce nothing People who produce nothing often blame fear for their lack of production. Notice what this one talent guy said, verse 24, Matthew 25, 24. Then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. Verse 25, and notice what he says, I was afraid. I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. And lo, there thou hast, that is thine. And people always want to say, I was afraid. You know why people want to say they were afraid? Because it's hard to be mad at someone that was afraid. I was just too scared. And people always want to cite that as a reason that they don't accomplish. Listen to me very carefully. People who do nothing with their lives, people who do nothing with the resources that God has given them, often cite the fact that they're scared. You know why people say, I can't go soul winning? I'm too timid. I'm just too scared to knock on that door. And it's hard to, you know, you, you, what are you going to say? Well, no, it's not, it's not that I'm sinful or backslid. It's just I'm too scared. You know why people don't tithe? I'm too scared. I'm afraid to return back to God the 10% that he expects from me. And it's like, you know, he gave you all of it. He gave you all of it. I'd be more afraid to not return to him the 10%. Since he's the one that gave me the 100% to begin with. Some of you did not partake in the vision offering this morning. And I'm not mad at you. I'm not upset with you. But in your mind, you justified it by saying, finances are tight. Things are not going well. And I'm just scared. And I'm afraid. 
You don't do what God has called you to do. And we often cite that we are afraid. He said, I was afraid. But I want you to notice what Jesus, because Jesus is the, one, the master in the story, right? He's the one who represents the master's story. What does he say? Look at verse 26. His Lord answered and said unto him, Poor puppy, you were scared. Is that what he said? Why don't you notice what he says? His Lord answered and said unto him, Keep in mind, in verse 25, he said, I was afraid. In verse 26, his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gathered where I have not strawed. Let me explain something to you. Here's point number seven. People who produce nothing often blame fear for their lack of production. Here's point number eight. People who produce nothing are not fearful. They are just wicked and slothful. I don't think you should say that. That's what Jesus said. I'm, I'm too scared to go soul winning. You're not scared to go soul winning. You are wicked and you are slothful. That's what you are. I'm too scared to tithe. You're not too scared to tithe. You're backslidden. You are sinful and you're lazy. That's the problem. Well, I don't think you should say that. That's what Jesus said. This man said, I didn't do anything. I didn't accomplish anything. I was too afraid. And listen to me. Some of you are going to get to the judgment seat of Christ and God is going to take all your resources and all your work and throw them into the fire and nothing will be left over. And he will say, what did you do with the resource I gave you? You'll say, I was scared. And he'll say, no, you weren't. You were wicked and slothful. You were backslidden and lazy. That's why you didn't accomplish anything. With what? I entrusted you. So please, please do me a favor. Why don't you just be honest with yourself and quit saying, I'm scared, I'm too scared, I'm too scared to do that. I'm too afraid to do that. I, I don't know, I don't know, you know, I'm, I know I'm supposed to give the gospel to, to, to my neighbor and I've been thinking about it, but I'm too scared. Why don't you just tell the truth? You're wicked and slothful! Because that's what Jesus said. People who produce nothing are not fearful. They're not afraid. They are wicked. They're slothful. They're backslidden. They're lazy. That's what the parable teaches. Point number nine. Here's a long one. Please write it down. You are not stuck with the amount of talents you receive. You are not stuck with the amount of talents you receive. Remember, talents are resources. Time, treasure, chances, opportunity. You are not stuck with the amount of talents you receive. It is possible, it is possible to increase your ability and receive additional talents based on the trustworthiness with, on, 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 based on the trustworthiness in which you dealt with the original talents. I know that's really wordy. You are not stuck with the amount of talents you receive. You can increase that. It is possible to increase your ability and receive additional talents based on how trustworthy you were with the original talents. Look at verse 27. This is the Lord speaking to the man, the, 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 one, the one talent lazy bum. Thou oughtest therefore to put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. And let me explain something to you. You say, what, what is that? Paul talked about investing into the ministry of others that there may be fruit that may abound to your account. Good night. This is what happens when I don't have my phone with me. Brother Oliver didn't put it on vibrate. I'm just kidding. People will say like, oh, well, I, I was too scared. I was too afraid to go so I was too afraid. Some of you men, you're supposed to go in ministry. You're supposed to be a pastor. Well, I'm too scared. No, you're not. You're slothful is what you are. I'm just, no, 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 you're wicked. Just say, just say, I'm not doing what God called me to do because I'm backslidden. That's why. Oh, I'm scared. No, you're not. Jesus is not going to buy that. Jesus is not going to take that. 
Jesus is going to say, here's why you didn't do what you did. Because you were wicked. Because you were slothful. And I want you to understand, when you are trustworthy with what God has called you, when you are trustworthy with what the Lord has entrusted in you already, when you accomplish with the little that he's given, it is possible for him to give you more. I got interrupted there with the phone. But look at verse 27. Now, all is therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. Take therefore the talent. Notice what it says. Take therefore the talent from him. That's the one talent lazy bum. And give it unto him which hath ten talents. Say, so why would we do that? Look. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And let me, let me just go back, because I, I lost my train of thought there with the, with the phone. But let me, this is what I want to make. Verse 27. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers. What is that talking about? Here's what he's saying. If you're not going to stand up and preach the sermon, if you're too scared to go soul winning, if you're too scared to do what God has actually called you to do, you can at least financially invest into the ministry that will bring some profit. You, it doesn't cost anything to put money in the offering plate and support a missionary in the Philippines. It doesn't hurt anything for you to, you know, one day, Lord willing, when we send Brother Stuck and his family out to Manila, Philippines, to financially invest. You say, well, I, I, I'm too scared to go do that myself. I'm too scared to go move out of the country and go be a missionary or whatever. And I'm not saying that everybody's been called to do that. But look, if, you, if God has called you to do that and you're not doing it, it's, cause, it's not because you're scared. It's because you're slothful. But you say, well, I can't do that. I'm too scared. Can you at least put some money with the exchangers? At least invest into something that's going to produce some, something? Like, like Paul said, fruit that may abound to your account. Paul said, I'm a missionary. You can at least invest in me. And the soul that I get saved, at least you'll get some usury off of that. Take therefore the talent from him, verse 28, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that shall have, uh, for, uh, for unto every one that hath shall, uh, shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. I want you to notice, the guy that had five talents didn't stay with five talents. He got ten talents. And because, because he did well with the first five talents, he got an additional talent. See, sometimes we read this parable and we think, I'm always going to be a two-talent guy. I'm a, look, I, I, I will confess to you, I do not believe, and I'm not being humble, I'm just telling you the truth, I do not think I am a five-talent guy. At the most, I may be a two-talent guy. I'm, Lord willing, I'm not the one-talent guy, you know. I, at the most, I'm the two-talent guy in the story. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. Just because you start off as a two-talent guy doesn't mean you have to stay as a two-talent guy. Because when you do well with those two talents, you know what he might do? He might take the talent from the lazy bum and invest it into you. The five-talent guy started with five talents, but he did well with those five talents, and he ended up having ten talents. And then he took the one from the lazy guy and gave it to the guy with the ten talents. You say, why? Because he knew he could trust the investment. And every week of my life, when I pray for our church family, you know what I pray for? I pray for a couple of things. One of the things I pray for, this is not the only things I pray for, obviously, but one, one of the things on my prayer list is this, that the Lord would increase my own several ability based, because of this parable. I say, Lord, will you please help me to develop my own ability? Will you please help me? Maybe, maybe all I can handle is 140 people in church or whatever. And I know you want to reach more people. Would you help me to develop my own several ability that I might be found worthy to, for you to entrust more into me? And then, you know, I pray that we would be a church that is such a good investment that God would invest into this ministry. You know, there are people all over this country... Faithful people who love the Lord, who read their Bibles every day, who go soul winning every day, who, who do great things for God, and they are in a church that is just accomplishing nothing. 
Just in a church where the pastor's not willing to stand up and preach, the pastor's not willing to take any stand, there's not even any soul winning going on. they got to do soul winning on their own because their own pastor won't go soul winning. And you know what I pray for? I pray, Lord, if it would be your will, would you take those one talent from some of those lazy, slothful servants and, and, and see us fit here at Verity, see us as a good investment that you would invest more into our ministry? Say, so, well, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a bad, you know, you shouldn't be praying that way. That's what the parable teaches. God is an investor. God has invested into your life. And listen to me very carefully. If God does not see an investment coming out of you, he might just take away what he's already given you. I had this great, I told, I told God, I, if I get a job, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support missionaries, and I'm going to tithe, and I'm going to be faithful. And then you got the job, you didn't support missionaries, you didn't tithe, and in fact, you got baptized, and quit coming to church. And then God takes the job away. That, that's what the parable's about. Oh, God, if you do this for me, I'm going to do this. And then God does it, and you don't come through on your end. You know what he might do? He might just take it away. Because he wants to invest into a trustworthy investment. You are not stuck. You are not stuck with the amount of talent you receive. It is possible to increase your ability and receive additional talents if you are trustworthy with the original, tra- with the original talents. Go to Luke chapter 12. We're almost done. Luke chapter 12. We're, we're on point nine. I'm going to give you the last one and we'll be done. Luke chapter 12. Look at verse 42. You're there in, in, in uh, Matthew. So go Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 12. Notice what Jesus says about stewardship here. Luke chapter 12, verse 42. And the Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward? See the word faithful there? It's talking about being trustworthy. Who then is that faithful, that trustworthy and wise steward? Not owner. We're not owners. We steward on behalf of God the resources he's given us. Whom his Lord shall make, notice this, ruler over his household, to give them their portion of meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. See, you know what you and I need to do? We need to go to God and say, God, here's my one talent. Here's the one talent I've got. Here's the two talent I've got. Here's the five talent I've got. I'm going to invest them for you. And if I just get this one talent and all I produce is one more talent, then I've done what I can with what you've given me. But you know what will probably happen is when you invest that one talent well and you produce another talent, you might find yourself with a third talent coming your way. You say, well, what do I do now? I dig it in the, because now I got three. Do I dig it in the ground? No, no, you take those three and you invest them. And you make six. And then you might find yourself with two more talents. See, the, the parable is trying to teach us that God wants to invest in you. God wants to help you. But you need to be trustworthy with what he has given you. Here's point number 10, and we're done. Go back to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Here's point number 10. All of your God-given ability and resources. And I want you to really listen to what I'm about to say because this parable is often misinterpreted and it causes a lot of questions for a lot of people, including myself. For many, many years, I read this parable and I just had questions about the last verse in this parable. And I want to explain it to you. Now, I'll explain it to you, but let me give you point number 10. All of your God-given ability and resources, all of your God-given ability, what we would call talents, and your resources, such as money, time, influence, opportunities, chance, all of your God-given abilities and resources will be completely wasted if you die and go to hell. Notice verse 30. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, for there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, for there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And people often look at this parable and they say, what happened here? Did this guy lose his salvation? 
Now, please understand something. The Bible clearly teaches that you cannot lose your salvation. It is everlasting life. Jesus said, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. When you get saved, no one can take you out of the hand of the Father. No one can take your salvation away. You cannot lose it. And, and be careful about going against clear statements in Scripture that teach eternal security and getting into a parable, which is just a story, and you say, well, it sounds like this guy lost his salvation. That's because we come to this parable with the wrong context. We come to this parable and we say, oh, the servants are all Christians. And when you got saved, God gave you all these talents, and he expects you to do something with it. But the reason that I'm preaching on this parable during a series called The Stewardship of Life is because I need you to understand the servants in the story were not all Christians. The servants in the story represent all human beings that have ever lived. Because when you got saved, you didn't get all sorts of time, resources, abilities, opportunities. You had time, resources, opportunities, abilities before you got saved. See, when you got born, when you were born physically, when you came into this earth, God gave you talents. Some people got five. Some people got two. Some people got one. But every human being received some sort of a talent. And you know what we learn in this parable is that if you die and go to hell, you don't even get started. It's like you take your talent and you dig it in the earth. You could have put it in the, in the bank and at least earn some interest, but you didn't even get that far. See, the parable is not about saved people. The parable is about people in general. And here's the point that I'm trying to make. It doesn't matter how much talent, natural ability, it doesn't matter how many resources you have. If you die and go to hell, it was wasted. Let me give you an illustration. This week, a very famous man by the name of Stephen Hawking died. And Stephen Hawking is considered to be a brilliant man. Now, he is an atheist, and he denied God. You know, the Bible says, you don't have to turn there, but in Psalm 14.1, it says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You say, you asked you ask me, do you think uh, Stephen Hawking was brilliant? No, I think he was a fool. Because the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Romans 1.22 says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. But let me explain something to you. Let me, I want you to understand something. You could be smart and be a fool. You could have a high IQ and be a fool. When you reject God. Because the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But let me say this. Did the guy have natural abilities? God-given gifts? You know, that, that made him real smart or very intelligent or intellectual? I think he probably did. I mean, I don't know a lot about Stephen Hawking. Here's what I do know. The average IQ, and whether you trust IQ tests or not, whatever, but the average of IQ is considered to be between 90 and 110. A genius IQ is generally considered to be around 140 and 145. We're told that Stephen Hawking had an IQ of 160. And you say, well, that's, is that supposed to impress us? No, here's the point I'm trying to tell you. It doesn't matter if you're born into this world with a high IQ. It doesn't matter if you're born into this world with all the talents and resources and abilities and you're smart and you can get into college and you can do great things and, and the world can look at you and say you're, you're the most awesome, brilliant, you know, scientist that ever lived. It doesn't matter if you die and go to hell. It was all a waste. What was Stephen Hawking? Stephen Hawking was a man that may have been given a lot of talent, resources, 
abilities, opportunities. I mean, if the man would have got saved, imagine what he could have accomplished for the cause of Christ. But he wasted it all. Why? Because he digged his talent. He put his talent in the, in the earth. He never even got saved. He never even got started. And, and, and Stephen, talent, uh, Stephen Hawkins will stand before God, not at the judgment seat of Christ, but at the great white throne. And people might look at him and say, he was so smart, and he was so educated, and he had so many opportunities, and he had so many resources at his disposal, and it all have all been wasted. Because he never even got saved. Because the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. See, all of your God-given ability and resources... All, you say, it really bothers me that the guy at the end of the parable gets thrown into hell. Because you, I don't think you can deny that he went to hell. It's called outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That terminology is used about hell throughout the Bible. You say, what, are, what can we learn from that? Here's what we can learn. All of your God-given ability and resources will be completely wasted if you die and go to hell. But every human being is born with some resource. Every human being is born with some talent. Every human being is born with something that God invested into them, and God expects them to accomplish something with it. So here's a question I have for you. We went through the entire parable, gave you ten statements, went through, and I think dissected it as much as, as, I, I, can, as much as I can do with my natural ability. So here's a question I have for you. And I don't want you to answer out loud, but I also don't want you to just ignore it. I want you to really ask yourself this question in your heart. What are you doing with the talents that God has given you? You've been in, God has invested in you time, energy, money, resources, opportunities, influence, chance. God has given resources to you. Say, so, well, I don't have as many as this guy. You have what God has given you. What are you doing with it? What are you accomplishing with it? Because you will stand before God one day. You will not give an account for your sins. You will not give an account for why you did this or why you did that. But you will give an account for what you did with your time, with your money, with your energy, with your resources, with your influence, with your talent. You will give an account for that. God will say, I gave you all these children. You've got all these children. You're supposed to influence them for my glory, what you do with them. God will say, I gave you this spouse. You're supposed to serve God with that spouse. What did you do with that spouse? God will say, I gave you this church. You're supposed to serve me through this church. What did you do? See, you will, you will give an account for what you did with the talents that God invested in you. So here's a question. How are you doing? Oh, well, I'm just using it all for myself. You are a wicked and slothful servant. God expects you to leverage his resources for his glory because we are not owners. We are stewards. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this parable. Thank you for this story where we can learn and make application. And Lord, I, I pray that we would all give a sober thought. I pray that we would all take time to consider, what am I doing? What am I doing? Is every resource that God has given me, has every resource simply being used for myself? Father, I pray you'd help our church to be full of good stewards, People that will stand before you one day and you'll be able to say, well done, well done, now good and faithful steward. Lord, I pray for our church. I pray that you'd continue to keep your hand of blessing upon us. I pray that you'd protect us. I pray that you'd strengthen us, Lord. I pray that no one would leave here 
afraid and scared. Lord, help us to remember that you are on the throne, you are in control, and that we should not fear what man can do unto us. If they take everything we have, you gave it to us to begin with. It's yours to begin with. Help us to be good stewards for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.